0: Hello Heather Knight and welcome to Total SF, our best SF music venues edition of the podcast. And I'm going to start by asking you. It's been on the lightning round for years. We've been asking people what was your first concert. What was your first concert, Heather?
1: Pretty sure it was REM at Shoreline.
0: Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. How old were you? What, I think I what was 17. album?
1: My parents never took me, so I didn't go until I could go with my own friends. Um, so it would have been probably 1994, 5?
0: You're so young. <laughs> and then, so what album? That's probably uh, New Adventures in Hi-Fi. What was the scene? Were you, were you drinking? Were you with no, your... Way no, way too young really? to
1: drink. No, I was like a freshman at Stanford and went with some friends to Shoreline. Yeah. Um, I just remember I loved it, but I honestly can't recall a ton of details. What was your first concert?
0: Well, as people would predict who've listened to this podcast, my experience was very different. Um, I was a sophomore and I went to the Cow Palace to see Van Halen, the very first Van Halen tour, the 5150 tour with Sammy Hagar. So it was probably 85 or 86. Two very distinct memories. I went with my friend Matt in his van. And we were drinking and smoking weed. And I remember this guy, like this bearded guy in his 40s came up and said, Hey, guys, I'm going to have to give you a citation. And I'm like, No! (laughs) And he goes for not partying hard enough. And then he wow. like, it was some, I don't know, Ponzi scheme or Jehovah's Witness or something. <laughs> I don't know, he, he wanted something. I, I'm sure I gave him money just because I was so glad I wasn't gonna be arrested. Because I was a very paranoid, stoned 15 year old. Um, and then I remember being in and just thinking it was the greatest concert I had ever been to. It was the only concert I had ever been to, but I just thought it was so great. I think Eddie Van Halen had like a 20 something minute guitar solo. And there was a bass solo even that was like eight minutes long, and that's when I went to the bathroom. So those are my memories, (laughs) my first concert. You
1: remember things in so much detail from decades ago. I do not have your sense of recall.
0: Well, I am the pop culture critic, so I've probably written three columns about this trip to uh, the Cow Palace. (laughs) Well, I'm very excited today because we have not only a guest who is going to talk about music venues and is kind of an expert in that area, but is also a poet.
1: Yes, um, listeners may remember James Moorhead, who debuted a poem several months ago on the podcast, which makes us poetry publishers, which is super cool, don't you think? Um, But he offered to read another one, debut it here, about um, the Fillmore, and that gave us the idea to do a whole episode about our favorite concert venues. So he is an expert, he goes to tons of shows, and he has a new book out called At the Barricade, or it's about to be out, I think, so um, you'll hear more about that.
0: Yeah, and this is a draft-style uh, podcast, so we don't know what the other person is picking. It could end up in a fight. I don't know. I do know we record these uh, intros after the podcast, and I do know there is a fight, so...
1: And I do know that Peter is the one who started this fight. Uh,
0: we'll, we'll, let, we'll let listeners decide that. There's
1: no other way to interpret it. You started the fight.
0: I'm Peter Hartlup, here with Heather Knight, giving you a citation for not partying hard enough, and this is Total SF.
1: Thank you very much. James Moorhead, welcome to the podcast.
2: I'm excited to be here, my favorite San Francisco podcast.
1: Oh, you're our favorite guest already. (laughs) Well, you have um, read a poem on our show um, months ago, and you're back with more poetry that you are going to debut on the Total SF podcast, which makes us publishers of poetry, which Peter and I think is really cool. So tell us about your new book, and um, can you share a poem from it?
2: Absolutely. Now, I'm excited to be here, and it's the perfect place for me to premiere any poetry that has to do with San Francisco, which is a city that I completely love. And uh, this book was inspired by a friend who said, you had gone to so many concerts, and you take s- such cool concert photographs on your phone, and you write poetry related to live music, that why don't you create a book out of it? And uh, so that was the seed planted over a year ago. And then uh, became the long journey of taking thousands of photos and choosing them and which would work and which wouldn't and then the poems and uh, the book needed a title poem, which I'll read in a second and I figured out the title should be At the Barricade, which is a term any concert goer will know.
1: And also we got to shout out this friend in question who planted the seed, Carrie Byron from Mythbusters fame and a previous Total SF podcast guest.
2: Yes, yes. And someone who I've uh, interviewed a couple times in another context and is uh, also a live music junkie from watching her Instagram feed. So, yeah, when she planted that seed, it took a year for me to actually get around to doing it. But uh, I'm glad that seed was planted. I don't think I would have done it otherwise.
1: Cool. Well, share your poem with us.
2: Sure. Well, hopefully this gets people in the right frame of mind for this episode. At the barricade. Packed in the Fillmore. Hordes of T-shirts. No signs of color, just shades of ebony. Crushed bodies at the barricade below. My refuge above in the balcony where I wait for blackout and telltale beams guiding shadows to the stage. Guitars are slung on shoulders, A pair of drumsticks seem to float on fog from hidden reservoirs. The crowd erupts. Flashpots trigger war cries, and from the first deep subwoofer rumble, we are one. Speaker towers amplify each beat, chord, strum, and lead singer mumble. I lose myself in the torrent of sound, flashing color, seething masses, spellbound. That's at the barricade, also Lovely. the title of the book. Dude. And
1: how can people get this book?
2: This book right now is, is we're almost done. Final production, tweaks being made. And uh, it's there's a pre-order link on uh, my website, viewlesswings.com. And for deep-cut poetry lovers, that's actually from a uh, from a Keats poem, Viewless Wings of Poesy. So Viewless Wings. I totally knew that. You totally knew that. I, I, it was actually way back in high school that... I read that poem, and I liked it, and I held on to that name, Viewless Wings, and unbelievably the URL was available. So on there, there's a pre-order link, and I'm excited to get this book out in the world.
1: Great. Well, today we're doing a draft. Peter, you're the king of drafts. You want to kick us off?
2: Yeah.
0: So, I mean, this is a, a tradition for us. It often gets contentious, so I'm glad we got started with uh, poetry and, and some nice words for each other, because it could get ugly here. <laughs> we don't know what each other are going to pick san francisco music venues uh can be any venue but i think it needs to be a venue that still exists and people can go to and we're rooting for it voting for it in its present state so if it's made some changes and you're nostalgic i think it's the venue right now that we would go out and see a concert am i missing anything heather i don't think so Yeah, so we have a tradition that um, Heather gets to go first. I don't know how this started. (laughs) I think it's rooted in the fact that I'm scared of her. (laughs) So um, I'm going to let Heather go first, and then we're going to go counterclockwise. Nobody listening (laughs) understands what that means, so it's Heather, James, then Peter. Heather, best. Is it best or favorite? How should we frame this? Our favorites, or do we think it's the best?
1: I think it's our favorites. Okay. Um, I'm going mostly on the fun I've had at particular concerts that, you know, stick in my memory. And one of my favorite concerts um, in years was Lady Gaga last fall at Oracle Park. Obviously, you think of Oracle Park, you think of baseball and the Giants, but it's actually a great concert venue too because you're outside, you have a beautiful view of the bay. Concert goers can um, sit on the field where the Giants play. And um, Lady Gaga was awesome. She um, was on a stage in the middle of the crowd, pyrotechnics, um, light shows. She literally brought the crowd to tears during some songs. So it was amazing. Dancing on a baseball field, plus you have access to ballpark food and beer, easy muni, bicycle valet parking. What more could you ask for?
2: And I saw Beyonce at the uh, Oracle. Oh, and my think, gosh.
1: I'm so jealous.
2: And I think that concert was so loud that I think the entire – SF Bay Area got a free Beyoncé concert <laughs> if they weren't there. And that's probably another benefit is that you could just sit outside and you could hear the concert pretty much as well as anyone inside, given it's a baseball stadium and there's lots of open spaces outside. But yeah, that's a that's a cool place just to go to for anything.
1: Yeah, I tweeted that I was at the Lady Gaga concert, and a lot of people were like, everybody in San Francisco is at the Lady Gaga concert.
0: <laughs> I actually have a few problems with this venue. I think the seating as you get up higher, you really lose something acoustically. And I love the bike valet. I love that stadium to watch a baseball game. So I like, Going there if I've got really good seatings, or if it's like you know, like a festival. I saw Journey and Doobie Brothers there. It was for work, but it was kind of a good venue for that. But I saw Springsteen there once, and I was not happy because I didn't have good seats and the
2: sound wasn't that good. Mm. Yeah, I would, uh, I would say that I was relieved you chose it because it didn't take my top choice, which goes <laughs> in a different direction. And yes, I think the, the the spectacle is great. I saw Coldplay down at the Rose Bowl. And that create their, they can do fireworks and spectacle you can't do in a smaller venue, but you do trade off sound quality. I saw the police reunion at um, over in Oakland at the uh, Coliseum, and the sound was terrible. It yeah. was terrible. It really distorted. It was really disappointing.
1: But I'm going to push back because when you're up in the high seats, not only can you hear Lady Gaga, but you have this amazing view of the whole bay, the lights, the bridge sailboats it's gorgeous
0: yeah i as a critic i always say like don't talk someone out of the good time that they just had i mean that's you're not talking me out of my good number one sin so if you love it there i think that's great and that's the only opinion that matters but i just wanted to weigh in that that is not my my favorite place i've totally dropped (laughs) a nuclear bomb in this she's gonna be getting me back for
2: the rest of this (laughs) i'm gonna
1: like be contrary to every one of your picks now
2: uh, well, the, well, Let's get this I, back
1: on a fun note that it, Peter has like, brought us down.
2: Let's be really clear. There is only one choice for the entire SF Bay Area for the best concert venue. Unambiguous, and it's the Fillmore. There is nothing like the Fillmore that I have been in anywhere in the world where I've seen a con- concert. It is so iconic. Um, to give a little history, because I did some research last night for this. So it's built in 1912. was originally called the Majestic Hall. It's, it's been a bit of everything. It was a roller rink. I don't quite see that but it was a roller rink before a concert venue among many other things and it went in disrepair and then came back and went back and forth. But uh, around the time of the Grateful Dead it became the Fillmore and they started a tradition of um, giving out a little extra after. Not every concert, I think the rules it has to have sold out, I'm not entirely sure, but um, you'll walk out and get a poster and those posters for 20 years were, have been created by Arlene Auschwitz. and. Auschwitz, Auschwitz. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her name. Anyways, uh, there are hundreds, if not thousands, of posters that line the walls of the Fillmore. And when you when you are there, you feel like you're in a special place, and the bands feel like they're in a special place. So, you know, I've seen Grimes there, Wolf Alice recently, Ministry, Ting Ting, Skinny Puppy, Violent Femmes, Gary Newman, Kate Nash, on and on and on. And and it, universally, they say we're so privileged to be in this venue and they put on the best concert they've ever put on on top of the fact that it's small two-level totally GA you can go up to the balcony and take a look there you can come down you know if you don't want to wait hours to be at the barricade you can always go up to the side and pretty much get as close as you want Um, it it, the sounds great the chandeliers just make for amazing photographs Uh, I I just love the Fillmore and um, if a band's going there that I remotely like I'm there, and I'm there with my younger daughter, who's also a huge concert junkie, picked up, up with me. So I think there is, I would argue, there is no better venue anywhere that I've been in the world than the Fillmore. Good pick. You, you hit it with bands that come to the Fillmore
0: bring it. They bring something extra. Uh, I remember missing, actually, it was a Rolling Stones concert at, at the time. It was probably Pac Bell Park and seeing Social Distortion at the Fillmore. And Social Distortion started playing Stones songs, just like knowing that everybody there probably couldn't afford that ticket, you know, and they brought something special. I've seen so many shows where people just will stop in the middle and almost like be tearing up that they're playing at this place that Janis Joplin and Aretha Franklin and the Dead and this history... Um, I don't like the location. I, I almost have to take my car from my point of view from Alameda. That's like my only complaint about it, and it's a small one because I take transit more, and I should probably figure that out. Uh, love the pick. Yeah. Uh, my number one pick is, uh, and we've talked about this um, on this podcast before, but the chapel. I knew I that was going to be I think pick. is such... A delightful venue. I've gotten to this point where I like to see bands that um, are in a smaller venue, even smaller than the the Fillmore and Warfield. And um, nice, like 500 600, not seat, it's all standing venue, bar in the back so you don't have to miss anything. It's a converted mortuary mm-hmm. 1910s mortuary in the Mission District. It was the discount mortuary. We actually have. Uh, advertisements in the Chronicle that I've seen That it was like, hey, you know, we'll do a cremation or a burial for $1.75 or whatever it was. It was a lot more than that, but it was the discount place. Like, if you couldn't afford the downtown mortuary, you went into the mission. Great acoustics, great disco ball, great variety of events. Litquakes there. The Chronicle's done events there. Heather and I have been on stage there doing events. And then I just like the eclectic acts. You get everything from. You know, Red Room Orchestra coming in and doing the music of Twin Peaks. Chuck Proffitt plays there almost every year. I've seen Bob Mold there. I've seen Petty Theft. Um, A lot like the Fillmore. I I trust when I get there that I'm going to see something good. And it's an independent venue and independently run, independently booked. And I appreciate that now because a lot of the kind of classic venues, I'm probably going to mention one. But a lot of them have kind of become a little bit more corporate in their structure, and the chapel has not. So, the chapel. What are you going to say
2: to that, Heather? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm not going to yuck your yum. Good pick.
2: That's a good pick. It was on my list, too. And uh, I haven't seen a ton of concerts there, although I saw Knights Are Up there. And it was just, it's such an intimate venue that you, doesn't matter where you're standing, you feel like you're on stage. And the the acoustics are great because of the vaulted ceiling, so, and the the history of it. I think there's a ghost, supposedly, too. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've talked about that a little bit. We'll we'll do, when we do our ghost tour of San Francisco, the chapel, we'll be on it. Um, And two blocks from the 16th Street BART and accessible, you know, 14 Muni. There's so many ways to get in and out of there. That's a real plus for me, too. Go there whenever I can, the chapel. I like it. Heather, you're up. And I'm uh, really going do we need, need to take forward? a break
1: cuz I feel like there's just some
0: tension here. Do we need to shut this off and just have a talk? Therapy? We could James, you can be our therapist. Yeah, yeah that's right. Or do you just want to power through?
1: I want to power through it. I'm really going back and forth on which should be 2 and which should be 3. I'm trying to decide which you guys are more likely to steal. Um okay, I'm going to go with the Masonic. Um the venue turns 65 this year. I love it because you can get there on a cable car. I mean, what concert venue does the cable car go like to the front door? That is a huge plus. Um, it's on top of Knob Hill. You can get a drink at the top of the mark after taking the views of Grace Cathedral. But it's just a great space for a whole wide variety of um of concerts the last time I was there was for the Glide Holiday Jam about a year ago saw the Glide Choir Bobby McFerrin and Fantastic Negrito perform and it was a lot of fun Um, I was doing a little research on the building, which is really unusual. Um, There's this big mosaic there, and Curbed described it as, it's made out of everything but the kitchen sink, thousands of bits of metal, parchment, felt, linen, silk, natural foliage, veggie pieces, shells, and sea life, stained glass, gravels and soils from the 58 counties of California and the islands of Hawaii. Fun fact, and where else would you find something like that?
2: Uh, I think that's a great choice. I think the history is cool. I think the amphitheater seating is really cool. So I saw the B52s there on their on their goodbye tour, and uh, my wife and I went to that, and we were way off to the edge because we waited too long to get tickets. It didn't matter. So we saw the stage full on. I saw Simple Minds there, and for that one, uh, the only the only gotcha is uh, I've learned now: park near Union Square and walk. Do not try to park near the Masonic, and I missed the first 20 minutes of Simple Minds because of that. and didn't. Or better even... yet,
1: just BART and then take the California cable car.
2: Yes, that's the dilemma of being the Polarie of Dublin, California, is if I go to concerts, I inevitably drive in because it's kind of too late to, to get back home via BART. But yes, if I were living in the city, I would never drive to any of these venues if I could avoid it.
0: I, Masonic, not a bad seat there. I mean, it's just perfectly designed as this sort of semicircle around this really wide stage. It's great for a band like Arc- Arcade Fire that has a lot of members and a lot of energy. Um, I used to only go there for comedy because I thought the acoustics were really bad. Then my friend took me to my morning jacket like six years ago, maybe seven years ago. And it was fantastic. And then I started asking around, and apparently they did some thing with the acoustics and the baffles and everything. And it has gone from the place one of the places I don't want to go from a sound point of view to a place that I seek out. I think it's just excellent. Great pick, Heather, and Thank not you. even being patronizing. <laughs> you stole one of mine. It was, oh, it was on my list. I, I hey. thought it was going to be a surprise. We'll be right back after this short break.
2: Alright, so I'm going to put the Regency Ballroom here, and I'm going to put that on the list because there's so many bands that I've seen there, and I think that's part of what's influencing my picks, and I think that the, the Chapel would be higher on my list if I had really seen more bands there, but I'll just list some of them. OMD, The Garden recently, my younger daughter got me into them, that was a wild show that plays into why I like the Regency Ballroom, Peter Murphy, Swans, Pop Tone, How to Destroy Angels, the side project from Nine Inch Nails. Um, so a little more history of this. It opened in 1909 as the Scottish Rite Temple, a Masonic Lodge. Uh, it's two, uh, It's a two-level venue with general admission downstairs, limited seating upstairs, and that's one of the things I like, is if it's a show where you want to take a seat but then wander downstairs to GA, you get that option to do so. And uh, it's had twists and turns, it's opened, it's closed, it's been a movie theater, and now it's been a concert venue for a while. And uh, it's just one of those venues that... I think if bands can't get to Fillmore, I think the Regency Ballroom—it's about the same uh, number of uh, same amount of capacity that they'll end up there. Um, parking's a little interesting, but I always roll the dice and get get lucky. Uh, but it's a it's a great venue, and I—the only only gotcha with it, which maybe adds to some of the charm of being at a live music concert—is it gets unbelievably hot. And when I'm there as a concert goer, I will open the door downstairs and have all sorts of people at the barricade thanking me. None of them occurred to them, just open the door and the cold air will Mm. flow in. But it gets really hot, um, which is not the case with other venues. I haven't been there in a while, but my son went there recently for, I,
0: I mean, I think it might have been his first concert with his friends. I've taken him to a bunch, but... Uh, And I started giving him a lot of the history that you just gave, and he just tuned out (laughs) right away. Just, Dad, Jesus. Uh, Good pick. Great pick. My number two is going to be the Warfield. And I'm saying it because I think one of you are probably going to steal it coming up. And I was only going to pick smaller venues that are independently run. Warfield is kind of a little, little bit more corporate now, one of those venues that's run by, there's basically two companies that are doing all of them, you know, in all the big venues in the Bay Area now. But um, I just love the history of it, and I love that we have it. We had this theater row on Market Street, 14 theaters to see all the movies coming out in the 40s and 50s. Um, A lot of these places died. Some places, like the Fox, the grandest one of the block, People decided, the city decided, that, you know, this is doesn't have a future. There's nothing we can do with this. And it should have been a domino effect that all these theaters would get torn down and turned to condos. But a couple people came along, uh, Carol Shorenstein Hayes and Bill Graham, and they saw these theaters for more than just a place that could be for movies. So I actually, <laughs> we have a photo in the Chronicle archive of one of the last, uh, uh, uh uses of the Warfield as a movie theater was uh, all the Planet of the Apes movies and I think you could pay like you know two dollars and see them all and everybody's lined up and then Bill Graham took over and and turned it into a, a music venue and it's a great one um you know, about 4,000, 3, seats. You can see great bands there. Uh, the first post-pandemic band I saw there was Jason Isbell. I was so excited not just to see him because it had been delayed like three times, but because of the venue. Um, it's a, a beautiful cathedral in a building on Market Street, and it's still here because Bill Graham you know, just had the ingenuity to think this isn't a dead space. It's just a space that we need to revisit and reinvent. And that happened with the Golden Gate, the Orpheum, and the Warfield. And I'm so glad they're there. Every time I see a concert, I'm
2: thankful. Yeah, I recently saw Ministry there. And one thing I like about that venue is the, uh, is the billboard outside. It has a really iconic sign, which is actually, that's the film where it's so understated outside you'd have no idea um if you didn't know it was there that it's just got a small little sign but the warfield's got a good selfie photo ready sign for the band you're seeing that you can post out and that's a little thing that uh that i kind of like um and yeah it's also in an area i think is coming down the street yeah. which I like, caught me off guard when i was walking there the other day well so the area's gonna is changed a little bit yeah, so get an end table, of flervin nook, and then go
0: see, uh, you know, whatever the Pink Floyd orchestral cover band is gonna be playing there. Warfield. Did I steal yours, Heather?
1: <laughs> no. Okay. Um, my third and final pick, I imagine you are all envisioning actual buildings, but I'm going off the beaten track and saying Golden Gate Park. Hmm. It obviously hosts hardly strictly bluegrass festival, outside lands, opera in the park, plus smaller concerts in the music concourse band shell, which now is lit up with the words lift every voice, which I love. And it's a stone's throw from the Ferris wheel and JFK Promenade. I would be remiss if I did not mention that at every opportunity. Um, so I am picking Golden Gate Park. I think people want to be outside these days. it's so fun um, big you can such a wide variety of huge concerts and little ones. so I always love it there.:
2: I have never been to a concert in Golden Gate Park, oh. and it's not because I don't think Golden Gate Park is terrific. it's actually more because the the bands that I'm into the being in the dark and their light show and all that stuff is super important to my concert experience. but as a place. Conceptually, since I haven't seen a concert there, although I might go this summer, my younger daughter and I are probably going to go see a festival there. Is um, is it's a great park? It's a terrific city park that uh, I can see working really well as a concert space.
1: Well, before you go, you should take the audio tour of Golden Gate Park by Peter and me. How does he find it, Peter?
0: Uh, It is on the Voice Map app. It is GPS enabled. You just show up at. The Conservatory of Flowers, and we'll tell you what to do through the headphones. It's uh, magical. Oh, my, magic! I'm definitely going to do that. The Conservatory
2: of Flowers—I've been to a couple times. Yeah, we'll we'll take you by.
0: all through the park, and then we tell you what to do. It's a great, great tour. So I love the pick. Well, thank you. Yeah,
2: still so, a little passive aggressive. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> so now I've got I, I've got a short list that I'm going back and forth on that are totally different. Yeah. So on the one side is the DNA Lounge, and on the other side is the Chase Center. And uh, But I'm going to go with the DNA Lounge. But I will say the Chase Center is a close second because what there's only way to describe a that is bougie. Oh, post third. Sorry, it's <laughs> third pick. It, yeah. is a, it, is, it is the most bougie arena I have ever been to. It's like the Disneyland of arenas and is just impressive and unbelievably posh. But the DNA Lounge, given that this pattern I followed, is uh, super intimate, has an amazing. Pizza place right next door, so I went to a, a Killing Joke VIP event, meet the band event, which was awesome. And in between the meet and greet and the concert, I had pizza right next door and chatted with other Killing Joke mega fans, and it was just awesome. Um, so I looked at the history a little bit. That's gone through all kinds of twists and turns. It was owned by or partially owned by Roy, Rob Schneider from SNL for a while, and oh then it God. went then it went away, and then it, then it came back. And uh, it's just an example of one of these, like you said uh, before, Peter, that. Thank goodness somebody stepped up and made it into a concert venue and a really good small intimate concert venue. Because if they hadn't done that, it would probably just sort of, you know, go away in dust. Instead, it's this place that pulls people into the city, uh, even for as far away as Dublin, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and uh, it just brings you know live liveliness to the city. So I think these concert venues. In addition to bringing bands and people together, it brings people into the city, and they'll probably come in for dinner and other things, and walk around, and it just brings life to the city, and it pulls in people from outside of the city. So concert venues, if the uh, mayor is listening, are really important. I'm to sure the she's a regular listener. Exactly. If you're listening, <laughs> concert venues love them. They pull in people from outside the city, and that's good.
1: Yes, she's talking about more concerts downtown as a way to enliven it. So that's the great. more concerts, the better.
0: So great pick. I'm torn as well. And I think we'll have an honorable mention section, a little bit of a lightning round, so we can just spit out some others we love. Uh I was torn too, but my heart is with Bimbo's 365 Club. Mm. And just again the history, it came up during the Depression. You weren't allowed to drink at Bimbo's when it opened, and they've made up for lost time because it is very much like go and get a cocktail a little bit of a throwback type place. It's a type of place that I want to see someone who even has that throwback element to their act, like a Chris Isaac, I think is the perfect blend for Bimbo's 365. I've been there for Noise Pop. I think I've seen Bob Mould there too. Uh, I saw Tom Hanks there give a presentation about typewriters. What? I saw Robin Williams there. I think my only indoor Robin Williams show was at Bimbo's. Really eclectic spot. You can see a lot of different things. But when you get there, again, I think good cocktails and just kind of a swinging throwback place. Yeah. Yeah.
2: That's my number three. I am going to finally get to disagree. Ooh. So I've been, oh, to, one, I've been okay. to one concert there. I went to see The Fix there. The concert was fine, but I arrived uh, a little too early, and it felt like I'd walked into a set from the, from Goodfellas, and people are sort of eating dinner, and I'm not really sure what to do. So I ended up sitting sort of in the bar, area because there's nowhere to sit. I didn't have seats, the tables, and it's just me at that point, so I don't want to take seats from a table. So it was... I just found it very awkward until the concert started. Then it was all good. Then it was a yeah. nice small venue. I was right up by the stage and the fix were great. But I, the pre show element was it's like there were people that weren't there for the concert and they were just there eating dinner. And it just felt like I'd walked into somebody's good fellow's wedding celebration. <laughs> it was very strange. So I don't think uh, that's high on my list for repeat. Gary Newman I saw at the Fillmore and he came back again to do bimbos and his show was so fantastic e- even though his show at the filmmore was unbelievably good i skipped it because of that i've only been at bimbos for two events that had
0: that kind of seating and they were okay because one was comedy and one was mm. that tom hanks thing the so, typewriters yeah so most of the concerts i've been there it, it didn't have that vibe but um I'm I'm with you. Like I wouldn't like that situation. I've actually had that happen to me a couple of times at the Fillmore and I'm like, "What's going on? I want to like, you know, just push to the front." So, um, all right, good. Well, that wasn't a fight. That was a, you know, that's that was a legitimate get you for me. legitimate <laughs> note and honest disagreement. Uh honorable mentions. Let's throw out a couple. what did, what, what else is on your list that you
1: you think Chase Center like you was almost my third. Um, love it. I adored seeing Lizzo there in November. That was an amazing show. Um, There's no bad seat there. Um, Yeah, it's very posh, very comfortable. um, Great views no matter where you are. And then I also wanted to give a a shout out to the SF Jazz Center, which is um, pretty new and um, one of the few places to see jazz that I know of like in the Bay Area. So, um, yeah.
2: You know, Neck of the Woods is a tiny little intimate venue in a really cool part of the city and i saw nypc also known as new young pony club they don't exist anymore but their drummer is the drummer for uh, harry styles so she has definitely done well for herself but i got to see them you can basically touch the like you're on the stage i do have to sprinkle in a couple of very close to san francisco venues because the fox theater and the greek In uh, over in Oakland and I love the Greek. That's one of my my favorites. They're just we we are awash, awash in awesome concert venues in the Bay Area, which is why every band that matters comes through here, which is a really a benefit of being in the Bay Area. So my honorable mentions: I do Great American Music Hall. I think it is up there with the Fillmore
0: in terms of just a classic space and a real memorable venue as well as concert. Uh, Bottom of the Hill. I've enjoyed going there. I'm not. I'm not gonna say like I love the venue. I just. I always love the bands there. The Parkside, little hole in the wall punk club, still holding on, kind of down there, Potrero Hill. And then if I'm gonna pick one outside of the city, it would be the Ivy Room, and hmm. I think Albany. I've seen some punk shows there that were just uh, absolutely fantastic. My only problem with the Parkside and, and Ivy Room is when I go there and I'm at a punk show, inevitably there's a point where I got to, like, text my wife or something, and I pull out my reading glasses. And there is no, like, move that makes me feel older (laughs) at any kind of music show than pulling out my reading glasses, especially during a punk show, to text my wife. Um, So... Um, yeah, that's it. Good, good call. I think we should. We started with a poem. I think we should end with a poem. Do you have something to bring us out here, James?
2: I do, and and of course, it's about my favorite venue, my number one. It's about the Fillmore, and the inspiration for this was actually something that my younger daughter said she used a phrase that's in the title of the poem, and I hadn't heard it before, and I thought it was really cool. And it was in between sets, in between the warm up and the headliner. Uh, I went up in, the, in the, the little lounge area where you can get some food and drinks and just sat there looking at all the posters and uh, wrote, started writing this poem. The first draft was written appropriately at the Fillmore. She sings in cursive on the Fillmore stage. Perhaps I hear sugar hiccups on Cheerios or little red come back as she bellows onto the barricade rushers below. I try inventing lyrics Be true, my love, be true, until nightfall becomes you. But she can't be a crooner of love songs, dripping sweat and slashing the mic above the moshing crowd. Swells that crash in waves against barriers held firm by arm-crossed roadies. I'm just a voyeur in the balcony, surrounded by a thousand Osowich posters, dancing in psychedelic swirls. And I should mention this first appeared in the Ignatian Literary Magazine, which is the University of San Francisco's uh, student-run literary magazine. Nice. Well,
0: Great. Thank you for
2: classing up
0: our podcast today
2: <laughs> uh, Thank you
0: for your picks And um, yeah I, I think this was fun I, I think uh, it's going to be a tense Rest of the day <laughs> For me and Heather We still have to record the intro for this We do it after the podcast I think people are going to uh, Have sense that there was some tension there But um, I think this was a good service For people of San Francisco
2: Well thanks so much <laughs> for having me on And if you haven't been to a live show in the last year Get on it San (laughs) Francisco is amazing for live music. Cool. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the San Francisco Chronicle. Our music today is from the Sunset Shipwrecks, Castro organ player David Hegarty, and cable car bell ringing from eight-time champion Byron Cobb. Support Total SF in the newsroom that creates it by investing in a digital Chronicle edition. It's less expensive than you think at sfchronicle.com slash... (laughs)
2: <laughs> loved it
0: i think it's,